This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. For the world to achieve the Paris Agreement goals, climate finance, which has been a contentious issue under climate negotiations, is critical. Also, implementing national commitments or NDCs is essential. Negotiators have been discussing long-term finance and the common time frame by which NDCs communicated by countries must be implemented, among many other issues. Today, Abbasna Mohamed Nasser, a former African Group of Negotiators Chair, the current lead negotiator on finance and part of the incoming presidency team COP27, if it goes to Egypt, tells us where Africa is on finance. Later on, Kasim Gawasuture, a climate activist and a junior negotiator with the AGN, will explain what common timeframes are under NDCs, what Africa is pushing for and the challenges and why. Abbas a lot of announcements last week coming from Glasgow on finance. To mention but a few, Canada promised to allocate 40% of its climate finance to adaptation. The UK announcing 100 million pounds of support for countries with difficulties accessing climate finance, as well as over $230 million committed to the Adaptation Fund. Is this bill being reflected in the actual negotiations on finance? Um, okay, so here we are not negotiating scale as such in the negotiations, but we are negotiating the instruments, the delivery, the accessibility, and an indication to the scale that is needed. Mm-hmm. So this is the first point. This is the negotiations part. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, all the pledges that, that we have heard in the past, I say 10 days, which they, they reflect two things. One, that there is a growing awareness of how important climate finance is mm-hmm. uh, for developing countries. And without it, many of what we hear on pledges, NDCs, we are on race to zero, we are on this track or, out or off track, are in question because um, national determined contributions, and most of them are conditional on receiving finance. Mm-hmm. So we have a challenge now that even the NDCs who are there, which are not up to the below two degrees or even like keeping the 1.5 degree alive or carbon neutrality, um, what the, the latest report of the Senate Committee on Finance on the needs of developing countries shows that from now until 2030, mm-hmm. the needs of developing countries to implement the NDCs only, the, only the NDCs, not even the updated ones, mm-hmm. is in the scale of 5.8 trillion, mm-hmm. $5.8 trillion. Mm-hmm. So, so I think the, all the big contributors to climate finance, the US, the UK, the EU, they all know that there is a gap yeah. and they are giving indications that they know that the gap exists and they are working on it. Mm-hmm. And this also relates very much to the non-delivery of the 100 billion starting from 2020. Uh, we all remember that this 100 billion goal was, uh, was put forward in 2009. So this is 11 years ago. And mm-hmm. what concerns many developing countries, in particular the African countries, that they knew this 100 billion is coming. And unfortunately, we come to 2020 and we are still lacking progress, even with the very flexible methodologies of accounting and very flexible definition of what climate finance is. So so on, on one hand, there is there was a very strong concern before coming to Glasgow that, that delivery is not happening. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there is a lot of good news that we heard. Of course, they are not up to what is needed, but they are good news in itself because it gives an indication on a political commitment. Mm -hmm. 
then when we come to the negotiations, then the challenge comes that this political commitment does not trickle down in the negotiations or negotiating positions of some of the of, the, of our partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, when we start speaking or talking about enhancing the uh, the transparency, the accounting methodologies, the definitions of what climate finance is, because numbers could look very nice, yeah. but when they are just repackaging or rebundling or or even used in a different process, then then the numbers can become very unrelevant. And this is what we have seen in the challenge of the um, reporting processes of uh, developed countries where they have different definitions, different methodologies, different eligibility criteria. Um, uh, and, and this has always been a, a sticky point, if I would say, between uh, developing countries and developed countries, but in particular the African countries, us who are always saying that we need to enhance transparency, we mm-hmm. need to have the full information, mm-hmm. we need to know what are the criteria for accessing those funds, we need to know what is climate finance that is differentiated than the ODAs, which is a previous commitment on the developed countries. Mm-hmm. And we need to avoid many things like double counting or greenwashing mm-hmm. or repackaging of existing finance. So. So this is the dilemma that we are in. Of course, climate climate change now is cross-cutting. It has impacts on development, on social development, economic development. So that the thing now becomes very bundled up, if I would say, uh, when it comes to what climate finance can do, or the vision of of, uh, of countries of how can they use climate finance. Is that the reason why one of the things that I've noted uh, when it comes to developing countries, they are all pushing in terms of the finance to also include uh, to address critical issues like adaptation and loss and damage on long-term finance as compared to what the developed countries are insisting that um, still uh, looking into issues of de-risking private sector in investment as compared to having the money come through public finance. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the things. I mean, like if we uh, let me put it this way, there, there there has been a major shift in the mindset of developing countries mm-hmm. from saying that that climate change is an, an, a big issue that is caused by developed countries and developing countries should not be putting money from their own resources for it to now coming forward and saying those are the actions that we can do and willing to do, but we are we have limited capacity in terms of our resources to do that. So can we get the support that is needed to deliver on what is there in the NDCs? So so this is a big shift in the developing countries approach. But then you don't see the same shift happening in the mindset of the private sector or even most of the financial institutions, meaning that they are still looking for bankable projects. Once I hear bankable project from a financial point of view, then it is a profit-making project. And in many cases, this this is not the case in developing countries, especially for adaptation and loss and damage, of course, but mainly adaptation. Mm. So it it, it is not bankable. It is not bankable because it's not making profit. So how can we deal with that? Or we see, we hear like uh, we need enabling environment in developing countries. That means like you need to change many of your policies, which takes very long time in many cases. Mm. Um, so once I hear that, or once we as Africa hear those terminologies of bankable projects, or you need to create enabling environment, then then we are concerned that the process is very difficult to access, and this is what's happening. And then, as you said, most of the finance will go to the easiest thing, which is mitigation, and even the easiest part of mitigation, which is energy. Mm. Because even within the mitigation part, you have waste. Many African countries have this issue. You have transport. Many African countries have this issue. You have several 
sectors that are not receiving enough finance because they might not be bankable mm. and they might they might not be attractive they might be higher risk so we are not seeing this private sector or even big institutions coming forward by by taking higher risks or and investing in in, in, in projects that might not be uh, quick revenue generating like energy and we are just stuck there. Do you see anything positive for African continent in terms of finance coming out of Glasgow meeting at the end of this? Well, the thing that is positive is that many of the pledges that were put forward by the biggest contributors, it was talking about adaptation. Mm-hmm. And Africa is the biggest continent with the max, with the, with the highest impacts. And, and all of African countries have already identified their adaptation needs and their NDCs are working on it on their NAPs projects. So there are a lot of clear cut projects, ideas, programs in Africa that are waiting for finance. So we hope that all these pledges mm-hmm. and the focus on Africa would translate into trickling down all this finance into our projects. Mm. So this is what we are looking forward. And this is the expectation that we have. Mm. And this is, will be like a like a reality test or reality check during this year to see if money is really flowing to Africa or is like repackaging of money or going to preferred places, as we say. Mm. And also in terms of unpacking these pledges to understand whether the bulk of it makes it is it loans? Are they grants? You know, to make sure that the country doesn't. This, this is another layer. This is another layer of of challenges. But the first layer of challenges, like we want through the negotiating process, what we try to do is, we need to understand the eligibility. So some some of this uh, pledges that you heard comes from countries that gives priority maybe for small islands or specific mm-hmm. islands and around their uh, region or and, and this is where we're trying to enhance the clarity from our side to understand is it like a contribution to everybody or is it a contribution that is earmarked for some countries so and if you look at the communication on from developed countries on what they are going to provide you will see a big dis, like big differences between them and identifying who's eligible for their support and who's not mm-hmm. or who is getting the priority for their support and who's not so yeah. this is the phase one. Phase two, which is again challenging, is the issue of the instruments. We in Africa are highly indebted countries, all of us. Yeah. Like we take it from north to south, east to west. All of us are highly indebted countries. We push very strongly in negotiations for the special circumstances of Africa, and we are pushed back by many developing and developed countries, say like there is no privileges for, for countries or continents. So the challenge comes for the policymakers or the decision takers, they, they can, if you say like all those money that is being put forward, all those pledges come in the form of, of, of uh, loans, then we have a very limited capacity to attract those loans or even access those loans, or it will be very high cost for us. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense for, for many of decision makers to, to do that. So, and, and this is, again, another challenge that we are talking about here, and we are pushing the issue of instruments, the issue of methodologies, the issue of transparency, issue of eligibility. As African group, we are pushing all those issues very clearly, very strongly. This is where we are. That was Abbasana Mohamed Nasa, a former AGN chair and the current lead negotiator on finance. Now, Kasim Gawusu Ture is a climate activist and a junior negotiator with the AGN. As I had promised you earlier, Gawusu will be telling us more about common timeframes in terms of implementing NDCs, what is the African position and what the challenges the continent is facing. Gawusu, welcome to the show. Implementing NDCs is key to achieving the Paris goal, right? 
where are we as far as negotiations are concerned in terms of reaching the Paris mitigation target? So uh, thank you very much, uh, Sophie. So uh, with regards to uh, mitigation issues, um, there are quite a few issues that perhaps uh, are of uh, concerns to Africa. And uh, perhaps for the purpose of this discussion, let me just give you a, a brief background of what has happened uh, related to discussions uh, on mitigation. Uh, so if we, I mean, I, I know you've been following the uh, Paris Agreement and uh, the implementation of the Paris Agreement uh, very closely. Yeah. And um, one of the issues uh, that is of concern now uh, with regards to the implementation of the Paris Agreement is the completion of the rule book. And uh, since Katowice uh, in 2008, when the rule book was supposed to be completed, there are still elements of the negotiations that have not been able to complete the rule book. So one of these elements is um, the issue related to common time frames. And common time frames, basically, uh, just for the purpose of uh, our listeners as well, uh, is that when the parties in 2015 were submitting their nationally determined contributions, uh, because there wasn't any guideline, there wasn't any rules, uh, parties submitted uh, their NDCs with different timelines of uh, implementation. So we have uh, countries that submitted uh, NDCs with a time frame or an implementation period uh, spanning for five years, and we have others that also um, submitted their NDCs with implementation uh, period spanning for 10 years. Uh, but then the Paris Agreement actually provides uh, for parties to have a common time frame. And this decision was supposed to be taken uh, at Katowice in 2018, where subsequent or, uh, NDCs or national determined contributions that are supposed to be implemented from 2031 are supposed to have a common time frame, meaning that all countries should have like a specific uh, period of time for implementation of their, their nationally determined contributions. But unfortunately, uh, even though this was supposed to be completed in 2018, uh, this was not achieved because of the, the differences uh, with regards to uh, the positions that parties were, were, were pushing at that time. And uh, up to date, there hasn't been any uh, decision on uh, common time frames. And uh, I think uh, if you'd allow me, uh, I can go into details to provide some of, I mean, the position of the African group and then also uh, perhaps highlight why we are pushing for for that position yeah sure sure absolutely yes so with regards to the common time frames um, as i mentioned uh, earlier we have uh, parties that are pushing for five years and others that are pushing for 10 years uh, with the african group our position is well informed uh, by a number of factors and our position is clear which is a five-year common time frame mm -hmm. and the reason why we are looking forward to this position is that we believe that, I mean, having a five-year common time frame would enhance the uh, ambition of the Paris Agreement. Because when you look closely at the Paris Agreement, it has what we call the five-year ambition cycle, where mm. the Paris Agreement talks about, um, I mean, the submission of nationally determined contribution is every five years. Uh, that yeah. is one. Uh, the second point also is that the global stock take, where countries are supposed to uh, uh, take uh, assess their progress with the implementation of the Paris Agreement also takes place every five years. And also when you look at the uh, financial mobilization, the replenishment, GCF replenishment and all that also is based on five years then. So we believe that in order to have that coherent uh, kind of connection or relation between the Paris Agreement and also the NDC implementation, then we should have five years so that we can all have all in tandem. 
So that is mm -hmm. the, I mean, one of the reasons why we, 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 we are pushing for the five years so that we don't put the, the implementation of NDCs outside of the five-year ambition cycle of, um, uh, of the NDC. Uh, the second reason uh, why we are pushing again for the five-year common time frame is that, I mean, we really want to enhance um, uh, ambition and uh, ensure that uh, parties are able to uh, implement what they have put into their NDCs and be able to also uh, update uh, their NDCs on a frequent basis because I mean, we have technology uh, developing so fast. So if we have parties submitting NDCs spanning beyond five years, let's assume uh, for our partners who are pushing for 10 years. Uh, so let's assume if we have NDCs that span up to 10 years, what it means is that it has to take up to 10 years uh, before they can revise or update their, their, their NDCs. And uh, as I mentioned, technology is developing so fast. I mean, let's consider uh, a common time frame of 10 years. What it means is that if there should be any technology advancement, it means that parties who have submitted this uh, common time frame of 10 years would have to take, I mean, 10 years to be able to uh, update their indices to adopt the new technologies. And that will be a lock-in of ambitions. But if it's five years, it means that with the new technology adva technological advancement, because the time frame is short, we are able to easily adopt the technology so that we are able to enhance our ambitions. So that is the more reason why the African group is looking forward to a shorter time frame, common time frame, instead of time frame of uh, 10 years. Mm. That means the country will be able to actually get more ambitious and probably <laughs> will 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 also be able to um, assess whether are we getting closer to the Paris Agreement goals, right? Excellent. That's, that's just the, the basis uh, for our, our argument that parties are able to easily, or I mean, within the short, shorter time frame, be able to assess and also be able to update their, enhance their ambition, mm -hmm. uh, based also on the synthesis report that we have been uh, receiving from the Secretariat. Mm -hmm. uh, with the rule book and based on the discussion related to mitigation, based on, I mean, the level we have reached now, uh, mm -hmm. in Katowice countries, all parties agree that from 2031, uh, all parties should be able to uh, start implementing uh, NDCs that are of common time frames. What therefore, uh, I mean, what this means is that by 2025, because the submissions of NDCs and their implementation has a five-year kind of uh, difference. So NDCs that are supposed to be implemented from 2031 are supposed to be submitted by 2025. So what it means therefore is that by 2025, all NDCs that are going to be submitted uh, that is in 2025 should have what we call the common time frames so that is the agreement because parties have i mean once all parties are in agreement that common time frames should be applied to ndcs that are supposed to be implemented from 2031 it means that by 2025 all parties are submitting are supposed to submit uh, ndcs that are of common time, time frames so that is the negotiations uh, at the moment but as at now uh, based on the negotiations that has uh, that has happened over the past week, um, mm -hmm. parties are still not in agreement uh, in terms of which number of years should be the common time frame. Because I mean, African group, uh, other I mean, parties are really pushing for the five-year common time frame, and there are also I mean, other parties uh, partners who are also pushing for ten years. Basically, are uh, making the argument that we already have development processes that are already taken like 10 years so they have like 10 year develop, uh, develop, uh, local or uh, domestic uh, development processes so they want it to actually tie in with their 
domestic uh, development uh, plans. But uh, the question that I mean uh, has come up with the position that Africa has taken with regards to uh, five-year common time frame is that people have concerns that if you are supposed to be updating or to submit uh, NDCs every five years, uh, it means that this is going to be a financial cost. Yeah. And then also, um, it and it also takes quite a long time uh, for finance or funds to be raised for the implementation of uh, the NDCs. So five-year, I think, um, I mean, as pa some parties or some I mean, uh, I mean, as raised by some people, I mean, they think that it's quite a short period. But when it, we talk about climate change, the, the scientific reports have shown clearly uh, the vulnerability of African uh, countries when it comes to climate change. And of course, uh, based on this vulnerability, we really want the climate change uh, policies to be very, very ambitious. So definitely ambition is what we are looking forward to. But again, uh, we have also stated clearly uh, in accordance with the provision of the mm -hmm. Article 4.5 uh, of the Paris Agreement clearly indicates that support shall be provided to developing country parties for the implementation of the uh, nationally determined uh, contribution in accordance with Article 9, which is uh, finance. So when we talk about support, uh, we are talking about finance. Uh, we are also talking about capacity building as well as um, uh, technology uh, transfer. So uh, this has to be clear in terms of the support that we need, not just finance, but also capacity building as well as technology transfer so that we are able to adhere to what we have put in into our our NDCs. And so who are the major opponents, opponents of, of the five years? Um, so the major opponents, I think, is uh, China and then the like-minded developing uh, countries. You know, within the negotiations, we have this kind of uh, grouping. Yeah. So their argument is that they want a time frame that aligns with their domestic development uh, planning process. Uh, because 10 years, they already have development plans that span for 10 years. So they want the NDCs to also correspond with this, which is a good argument. But if we really want to achieve... Uh, the ambition that we are all looking for with regards to achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement, then the 10-year, I mean, doesn't uh, present any ambition at all. Do you see negotiators at the end of the week agreeing on this common time frame? So on common time frames, it's quite uh, not very clear at the moment uh, because as I've mentioned, uh, we, we don't seem to be in agreement. Uh, as we have now, we have about nine different texts uh, meaning that we have about nine options to choose from. Um, mm -hmm. So the diversions are very uh, deep and uh, it's for me, I think it's not really uh, likely that we would we would have uh, a decision on common time frame from this COP. How dangerous is that? But this is going to really put uh, so much delay. Um, and also, uh, I mean, as we are speaking now, some parties from next year would start their domestic process towards submitting new NDCs and they need to be uh, clear which time frame they want to use. So what it means is that uh, we are really behind time with regards to uh, achieving a decision on this. But definitely before 2025, uh, this decision has to be taken because the new NDCs that will be submitted in 2025 would have to have common time frames as we have already uh, uh, decided uh, from Katowice. So, we have now until um, until next year and perhaps um, the other year to, to be able to achieve decision on, on common time frame. But this, of course, would really have impact on uh, country submissions of uh, their new NDCs uh, because mm -hmm. the, the earlier countries are 
informed about the common time frames, the better because it will help them with their planning process and, and, and all that. So uh, that is just the issue. But for Africa, we have clearly indicated that uh, there has been so much politics with discussion on this agenda item. And uh, we really are looking forward to perhaps a, a political decision uh, on this. A political decision means that it will not be a technical kind of discussion because the technical discussion we've had so far has seen serious diversions. And every time we had the opportunity um, for, for, I mean, at COP, uh, the diversions uh, increase, uh, keep on increasing. So, uh, I mean, if there is no decision uh, on common time frame this year, uh, we're really looking forward to pushing for a political decision so that countries start uh, to um, uh, consider uh, what time frame they want to apply for the submissions of their NDCs. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Gawusu, for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sophie. That was Kasim Gawusuture, a climate activist and a junior negotiator with the AGN. Earlier on, we had Abbasana Mohammed Nasser, a former AGN chair and the current lead negotiator of finance, updating us on the African positions. Later this week, we will endeavor to update you on where the continent is on loss and damage and Article 6 to critical issues for the continent at Glasgow. Please do send us any question or comment using info at africaclimateconversations.com. But for now, Kwaheri, my name is Sophie Mbogo. Inaindeshwa na Afripods.